0: hey there, this is Tiff from the Tiffany Micah podcast and welcome to this week's episode of Daily Tiff. Yes, these are the episodes that I share on my other podcast show, which is called Reach Your Potential with Tiff, where I share daily things that that happen or situations that come up that I want to share with you or questions that I've been asked and, and so on. So what we've got this week is we've got four great episodes. They're more in depth than than usual, uh, simply because I want to make sure that we we get the message across to you. And these are the things that we're going to be looking at today. So one of the episodes, especially this will be the first one that you'll be hearing is who wins you or your sport. And I actually talk about why that comes up because I got a really interesting text message from a, a lady that I teach and I didn't mention any names or anything, but I wanted you to hear what the the text message was that she had sent me or, you know, an abbreviation of that, and then what was going on for her and how we break it down and really look at what's, what, you know, really what the truth is in, in the sense of how she's going to solve this problem. Second episode that you'll be listening to is about poor self-talk and how it will always stop you. So talking poorly to yourself is always going to hold you back um, because you'll never get to where you want to go. And I know that from my own previous experience when I was pursuing a tennis career many years ago when I was a, a junior. The third episode we're looking at is, is how to have amazing relationships and Uh, this was a really good one actually, because this will not only, and I'm not just talking about relationships with someone that you're in love with or someone you really care about, I'm talking about you know, also friends and family and, and relationships with people that you want to build is, is, really how you can understand them and where they're coming from and how you can understand you and, and what your, your, um, particular needs are and, and so on. So that was a. I um, I really enjoyed sharing that one with you. So I hope you get a lot of, um, um, benefit and excitement out of that one. And then, the final episode is we're going to be looking at is, is don't let those obstacles hold you back and we work through what goes on when there's obstacles that come up and so on and how we can put a, a plan in place and on what the steps are so that when we're, we're not having those obstacles hold us back. So enjoy these episodes and I look forward to catching up with you at the end. The week before, I actually got a text from a lady that I see from time to time for, you know, for a golf and she tends to reach out to me like what most people do. They tend to reach out to me when they're frustrated and they're feeling under pressure and um and so on and they want to improve in their game and, you know get it all together but they tend to reach out to me when things are not working versus when they've got things under control so we can keep refining and making sure that they stay on track and uh you know this particular lady she's got a lot of stuff going on in her life right now so it's not only the frustration out of golf she's got a lot of things going on but the text that she sent me she said look I've lost 20 meters in distance and if this continues I'm going to give up And I was like, whoa, okay, so the pressure is now on me to fix that problem, yet she's let this problem deteriorate. And I'm not saying that she hasn't done anything about it. What I'm saying is that she's got so much going on in her life and the expectation is so high and the level of golf that she plays, she has to really perform every time she goes out on the golf course. So there's there's a lot of frustration in there for her right now outside of the gulf, you know, there's so much going on as well. So it, it can be, be difficult. So what I want to do here in, in just with this mess, this particular message and what's going on, I want to break it down for you what's actually going on here. So we're going to look at three emotions at the moment, right? So, Just in reading that text, right, I've lost 20 metres in distance and if this continues, I'm going to give up. So one emotion that she's going through is she's really frustrated, right? She's frustrated because she's she's lost distance. She's frustrated because she's not performing the way that she'd like to. Then another emotion that she's going through is she's really disappointed. So she's really disappointed in her performance. And again, she's lost distance so that, again, that disappointment leads into that frustration and then, you know, another motion that she's actually going through is that her thought process is, well, I'm going to give up. I'm going to, I'm going to really consider giving up because this is just not working. And why is she going to do that? Because she's losing distance in her, in her swing and she's really frustrated and she's disappointed. So there's all these types of emotions going on for her. So what do we do? So if we really look at what's actually going on for her, this is, this is just on the surface stuff, right? So she's just looking at the current results, what's going on for her. So, yep, she's frustrated. Yep, she's looking at me to fix a problem because that's what I do. I do fix people's problems out on the, out on the course and in their swing and all the other in their mindset, everything, right? That's what, what I do. But what happens though is most golfers or most people reach out to me when things fall apart and they want a quick fix. They want the solution, uh, the problem solved, right? They want a solution. And what happens by that is there's a lot of pressure put on me to fix that in a half an hour lesson or an hour lesson and, and so on. But if we really look at it, there's reasons why people's games fall apart. And I'm not talking just in golf, right? I'm talking about in any sport. So if you play a sport It really doesn't matter, but this will apply to you. So just because I'm talking about golf, um, you can refer this back to your sport. You can even refer this back to other things that are going on in your life. But in this particular instance, I'm going to refer to um, is, is sport. So this is what happens when a game falls apart, right? There's no practice, right? So number one, there's no practice. Number two they're not working on their drills that they've been given. Three, they don't practice under pressure. Four, they don't practice out on the golf course. Five, they don't work on their mindset. Six, they don't have lessons, so working with their coach to work on it with them. Seven, there's no attention to detail. Eight, they're not working on their specific skills. So there's specific skills in which they need to be working on, not only just the, the, the skills in the sport as such, but also the skills out on the course, the skills on their mindset. And nine, poor self-talk. So if you look at why people's games fall apart in their sport, there's a whole list of reasons right? Not practicing, not working on the drills, not performing and practicing under pressure, not practicing out on the golf course, not working on their mindset, not having lessons, not having that attention to detail, not working on specific skills and really poor self-talk. And when you play at a high level or a reasonable level, guess what? You have to perform every single time you get out on the golf course or you get out on the field or you get out on the court right? You have to perform. So therefore, if you have to, if you're applying at a much higher level than most people, then you got to get out there and put the work in. You have got to get out there and practice. You can't just rock up and hope it will all come together. It just doesn't work like that. And my mum's a great example. I love my mum. And we, you know, I've just said that we've been working on her golf all last week. And she said to me, she admitted to me, she said, yes, you know, I just expect that it all will happen now because I've done all the work previously. Yep. She's got herself to a particular level. She's at a level where she has to perform every time she gets out on the golf course and she needs to work on all of these things too. And she said, yeah, I've got to the point where I'm just rocking up expecting that it will come together. And it doesn't work like that. It's a constant work in progress, right? It's constant. I tell everybody who, take, who takes up golf, you're on a journey, right? You're learning you're lear- and you'll always be learning. And it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. You're always learning how to improve, right? You're always learning how to improve you and how you respond to things, how you work on things. You can't just rock up and hope it all come together because, as I said before, it just doesn't work that way. And I'd love to say, I can wave a magic wand over you and poof, all your problems are fixed. Now, if I could do that, I'd be bigger than Tony Robbins right now. But there are, but the reality is, and this is the reality, I can solve your problem. But the thing is is you've got to go and work on it and you've got to spend the time working on it. So it doesn't matter what problem that comes up. You need to solve the problem and then you've got to go and work on it. All right? Two simple, two simple solutions right there. One, solve it. Solve the problem. What's your problem? All right, why why is this happening? And then two, what are you going to do to make it work? And what kind of time and effort are you going to put into it? That's the reality. Because I know how tough it is. I learned golf as an adult. I learned golf when I was, in, when I was 34. I started to learn golf. And I thought it would be easy coming out of the level of sport that I'd played previously. Because right? I was in all the school teams for everything, for all the sports. Went to state championships in a lot of the sports. Played professional tennis, not to the level that I wanted to, but I played at a high level, right? So I, And then I used all of that and worked in and moved into golf and wow, right? wasn't as easy as I thought. I had to go through the whole learning process again, new sport, new learning process, right? So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Because if things are not working, what do we do? because your sport at the moment is taking over you and you're letting that beat you. And I would say the universe is out here to test you, right, to test you. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want to improve? How badly do you want to perform better? Then you need to go to and do the work. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. So I want you to really be thinking about these questions because, I want you to really think about why you're doing what you're doing, okay? So, and and I want you to map it out. I want you to, if you've got a journal handy or you got a piece of paper or a notebook or something, pull it out right now and just, I want you to start thinking about these, these, this question, this specific question that I'm going to throw at you right now. Why do you play your sport? And I want you to look at the reasons of why you play your sport, right? Because there can be lots of reasons. Now, the, if you're working on becoming a professional, then that'll be a reason that you are playing the sport. You want to be professional, you want to play, have a, be a professional athlete, a right? professional sports person. You want to be famous, you want to be good as you can be, you want to earn heaps of money, get lots of sponsorships and you want to be travelling around the world and playing your sport around the world. Great. That's why you do it, that's what fuels you. Okay, great. But what if you don't want to be a professional sports person? That doesn't matter, right? I'm asking you, why do you play a sport? You might be like some people that they play their sport because they want to be fitter or they enjoy the challenge or they want to be part of a group, you know, part of a community. They want to meet new people and make friends. They want to exercise and feel good. They know that that will help their health, right? But why do you... Why do you play your sport? You've got to answer that question because you've got to get really clear on what it is that you want. And then once you've worked out what you really want and why you play your sport, what are you going to do about it? Because if you want what you want, you've got to do something about it. So if you play, then what are you going to do? You're going to have to do this, right? Put the work in or your sport's going to beat you, right? Put the work in or your sport will win. And I look at golf, golf is one of the hardest sports that I've ever learned, and if you are a golfer yourself, you'll go, yep, it is, it's challenging. It's very testing mentally, physically. You got to be patient, it's attention to detail. Especially especially technique, right? You got to be you got to have pinpoint accuracy with your technique. If you want to be really good, you've got to have pinpoint accuracy. You've got to go and work on it. Another sport I think is challenging when I watch it, I think, well, how do they do that? Beach volleyball. Right, there's two people, like especially when they're playing two versus two. You've got to move through the sand and you've got to dive at the balls and you know keep the ball in play so it doesn't hit the sand. Wow. I look at that and go, well, I don't know if I could ever do that. I've never attempted it. I've played volleyball when I was at uni. And that was a lot of fun, but I've never played beach volleyball because oh, I look at that and go, oh, dude, that's tough. But in order for you to get what you want out of your sport, what must be done here? I'm going to list out nine items for you of what you need to be working on, and then I want you to start working on them. So number one, practice. You've got to practice. You've got to spend the time practicing. Number two, work on the drills. If you've been given drills to work on, go and work on them so that you can do them in automatic mode. You have got to drill and drill and drill and drill away and drill more. Number three, practice under pressure. Most people don't practice under pressure. That's why they don't perform at the level that they want to perform at. Number four, you've got to go and practice in your environment. So you've got to go and practice and put yourself out on the the court, the field, the golf course, the swimming pool, whatever it is. Number five, you've got to work on your mindset. You've got to get your mind right. You've got to have things in place so that you're focused on achieving what it is that you want to achieve, but you're also giving yourself positive self-talk, encouraging yourself, not putting yourself down. Number six, you need to be working with a coach. You don't go do a coach just now and then. You should have regular sessions with your coach, and I'm not saying weekly. You can do it once a month, right? but you need to be going to work on it. Number seven, have the attention to detail. If you don't have that attention to detail, that is what's also is holding you back. You need to really be specific, be mechanically efficient in whatever the sport it is that you, you perform at. Number eight, work on the specifics. So the skills that need the most attention right now, focus on those skills that need the most attention. And number nine, positive self-talk. So even though I said that with mindset, there's a lot of other things in mindset that 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 are part of that. But positive self-talk. Start saying nice things to yourself. Start saying, I'm working on this now. I'm working on improving me. I'm working on improving my technique. Right, so you've got some work to do, haven't you? So if you're one of these people that you're like, mm, I'm thinking about giving up or this is too hard or I can't do this, you can do this. But if you, as you get better it gets tougher, right? It doesn't get easier. It gets tougher because you have to perform every single time you walk out on your, on your field, right? So here we go again. Practice, work on drills, practice under pressure, practice on the course or golf, uh, course, court, field, whatever it is, swimming pool, the sand, whatever. Mindset, work with the coach, attention to detail, work on the specifics and positive self-talk. Did you know that if you have really poor self-talk, that will always stop you? And what I mean by poor self-talk is you know putting yourself down, being really negative towards yourself, um saying, <laughs> saying the most worst possible things that you would say to yourself. You wouldn't have anyone else say them to you, but you would say them to yourself. And did you know that that will always stop you from really getting what you want? And look, I've been there. I've been there when I played um, tennis, especially when I was pursuing a tennis career when I was growing up. And you've heard me talk about this many times, but I share this with you because I want to get the message out to you that if you put yourself down, you're not going to get anywhere. And it's really interesting because... I didn't know at the time when I was growing up that that was what the problem was. You know, I was really saying, well, come on, Tiff, you're not good enough. See, I told you you're going to lose. See, you can't hit that forehand. You're hopeless. Oh, look at your backhand. It sucks. You know, there's all these things, right? You can't focus. You can't concentrate. What's the point of being here? All of that kind of thing. How am I supposed to have expected myself to win? And then when I lost, wow, it was like, see, I told you. But in saying that too, I did win many matches as well, right? So obviously at some, at, in some matches I was like in a really good frame of mind, everything was working pretty well. But when times got tough, I really put myself down. So I waited for those good times and then just embraced and enjoyed the good times. But when the tough times came, then, oh, yes, I told you, I told you, I, I couldn't work through it because I said, well, you're not good enough. And it's really interesting because, you know, people that I teach in golf right now and most of the people that I teach are over 55, 60 years of age and it's really interesting because what they say is they always do something wrong or I used to be able to do such and such but I can't do that now or that shot's just not good enough. Even though the shot's gone nice and straight, oh, it hasn't gone long enough. I don't have enough distance. Well, that goes on all the time. So if you if you're out there playing your sport and you keep saying, "Oh, well, that's not good enough," you know, that's not long enough. That's too short. That's not strong enough. And it's gone straight, and it's gone done everything that you've wanted it to do. Embrace it, because if you constantly keep saying to yourself, "I'm not good enough," it's not strong enough, it's not long enough, it's not I used to be able to do this and I can't do this now. Well, of course, because you keep saying that. So of course it's going to get worse and worse. And I remember um, a few years ago I had a lady come to me for the, for an intensive clinic uh, that I was running at the time and she said to me, Tiff, you're my last hope. So she put all the pressure on me for me to get her in action in one day of this clinic or in a a clinic and then played holes afterwards and so on. And all the pressure was on me, yet she had let this deteriorate over time. And what happened with her, and I I really felt for her uh, so much, is that she cried all day. She cried all day because everything that she did was never good enough. Everything that she did was she cried. Everything that she did was always putting herself down. Oh no, I didn't hit the green. Hit a great shot. No, I didn't hit the green. Right, constant. Now that's just on the surface stuff, right? So there was things that were going on for her that was so much deeper than that, right? The expectation. She's not good enough. Was it the pressure from her husband? because he was a good golfer, she wasn't working on her game, expected to be able to do everything without putting the work in, without having the lessons. And I really felt for her, but I could only, you know, I can teach you and show you where to go and what to do, and I can work on your mindset. But if you come to, to someone like me as your last hope, and you only expect to be able to do it in a day, that's being real unrealistic, especially if this has been going on for years, right, there's no such thing as a quick fix. I could talk about that forever. There's no such thing as a quick fix. But the point I want to get across to you is if you are, you keep telling yourself that you're not good enough, you're hopeless, told you you shouldn't have got out of bed to go and play golf today, or told you you shouldn't have got out of bed to play this sport today, told you you shouldn't have showed up today, right, you're going to lose, If you keep saying those things to yourself over and over and over again, guess what happens? You're going to lose. You might come last even. You're frustrated. You may cry. You may even get to the point where, you know what, this is just too hard. I'm just going to give up. Right? You're being tested. I always say the universe tests you you are being tested, how badly do you, want to, do you want to be able to do what you want to do in your sport or anything for that matter, right? Because this, this not only comes up in, in your sport, I always say that in, in your sport it comes up, it brings up your vulnerabilities, right? So if you have things that you go on in your normal life, right, outside the sport, most likely you're going to be operating the same way. I know I was, Right now I think I'm superwoman and I can do anything. I don't let things affect me like it did years ago. I'm like, right, can't wait to compete. Can't wait to do this. Can't wait to give my best effort. I'll just do the best that I can today because that's all I can do. I'll keep training hard. I'll keep working hard because I know that I will get there no matter what the obstacles are. But years ago I wasn't like that. Years ago it was oh, we'll see, told you you're not going to make it. Told you you're not good enough. And I did give up. I gave up on my dream. And it took me 25 years to get over not achieving the goals that I wanted to achieve in playing tennis. Simply because poor self-talk. And it's like what this title says, poor self-talk will always stop you. Well, guess what? That stopped me doesn't stop me now, and this is why I share this message. So a number of years ago, there was this lady that I taught um, at this particular program that I own. This was, we're talking about seven, eight years ago. And she would come, she was so dedicated to learning. She so badly wanted to do really well. And what happened was that she'd come to the clinic and then she'd go and play holes afterwards because that was part of what the program was and I'd go out and watch everyone play and so on. But she would be constantly putting herself down, constant. No, nah, you're not good enough. No, nah, told you would make a mistake. No, nah, why are you here? Oh, you're useless. You're hopeless. You're an idiot. You're stupid. Right? All these words used to come out. And every week out on the course, and she'd be crying, and every week we'd be out on the course and I'd say, look, now if you keep saying this, this is the type of things that are going to happen, and that's what's happening because you're telling yourself that that's going to happen. And then I said, to her, do do other people talk to you this way? I said this later on because this was going on for, you know, every week. And then later on I said, you know, does anyone else talk to you this way? Like, does your husband talk to you like this? Or, you know, she goes, no. I said, well, why do you talk to yourself in this way? She said, because I want to be so good. I said, but what's happening is this type of language that you keep reinforcing, that you're not good enough and that you're hopeless, you're stupid, you're useless, you're an idiot, all of these types of things, you're achieving your goal because the, the improvement's not there because you're not, you, you, you keep telling yourself that you're not good enough you keep telling yourself that you'll never get there and so that's what happens yet you come every week so I know that you want to improve I know that you want to do well I said I see it in your dedication but it's the way in which you speak to yourself so anyway this these types of conversations went on for about two years every week there'd be tears and so on we'd be talking through it all of that kind of thing And then it was about two years later, and I I was watching her from afar, and I saw her tee off, and I went, "Wow, what a great shot!" Because I knew that what she was capable of. And then a second shot, "Wow, what a great shot!" Then a third shot, "Wow, what a great shot!" And I drove over to her in the in the golf cart, and I said, "Hey, what's going on? Like, this is awesome." I said, "I've waited for this moment." She said, "I decided to change my attitude." Now in that moment, right? So Tony Robbins talks about this, about making decisions, right? In that moment, she made a decision. She said, you know what? I don't want to talk to myself in this way anymore because this is not benefiting me. This is actually hindering me and holding me back. I need to make sure that I start talking and change my attitude into ways in which positive, so positive things happen. And look at that. It took us two years to get there. But then what happened? She started talking to herself better. She started to believe in herself. She started to trust her actions. And what happened there? She started to show the results. Amazing, isn't it? The power, right? The power of what happens in the mind. And, you know, when I took up golf, I noticed that I was doing the same thing, what I was doing in tennis and what was what I... (laughs) Notice, uh, which, which was really frustrating, was that those same demons came back to haunt me. I kept putting myself down. I kept telling myself I wasn't good enough. Yet, even though I did really well in tennis, not to the heights that I wanted to, I still had the opportunity to perform and play overseas and compete and so on, Right, but not at the level that I wanted to do that at. And then here I am taking up another sport and wanting to compete at a high level and I'm putting myself down, telling myself I'm not good enough. But the big thing that I noticed was I was becoming more aware and I went, I don't want to go down this path again. I don't want to I don't want to continue to tell myself I'm not good enough and fall apart and, and you know, when the pressure's the pressure is on that I can't perform, I don't want to go through that through that whole scenario again of disappointment. I've got to make changes. So what I then made the decision, again, it's a decision, made the decision to go and find out how I could help improving me. All right, so I went and did personal development courses. I went and worked with a sports psychologist. I went and read lots and lots of books. I created routines. I did lots of different things that I could do in order to help change me out of the person that I was into the person I wanted to become. So this is what I see right now is, and it happens everywhere I, I, I look, it doesn't matter whether it's in the golf or other sports or in life or in business and so on, when the expectations are so high and we don't meet them, guess what happens? We put ourselves down. Now, if you have an expectation, there's a lady, there's a lady that I teach at the moment, a gorgeous lady she's a late 70s, beautiful woman, she can play golf, yet she gives herself such a hard time that her expectation is so high that if it's not perfect and she doesn't execute the shot perfectly on every single shot, guess what? She puts herself down. Now what happens is over time she wears herself down throughout her game out on the course and guess what? She doesn't finish well. Because she keeps, keeps telling herself how bad she is. Oh, that's not good enough. That ball didn't go far enough. Yet she's hitting much cleaner balls now than she has for a long time since she started working with me. But I'm not tooting my own horn, sorry. But, but she's much hitting much cleaner balls, straighter balls. Yet even in, when we're working on her in her lessons, she says, oh, that's not good enough. That's not long enough. And I said hang on a minute. What we're working on is we're making sure we're getting you to hit straight balls every time. That's the first thing. Let's get your technique right because the more that we work on that, then everything will come and and happen, right? But if you look at it, if you keep putting yourself down, you keep telling yourself that you're not good enough, what's going to happen then? You're not going to perform to the point where you're going to give up. And I don't want you to give up. Whatever whatever level of sport you play or whatever level you're playing at at life, don't give up on you. Make the decision to make the changes. And we need to change that. So how are we going to change that? How are we going to change that poor self-talk that, we've, that we're going through right now? How are we going to change that? And I've got four really simple steps for you. Okay. So step one is awareness. So I want you to be really aware of that you're talking poorly to yourself, right? It's all we want to do is be aware. Then step two, we want to stop speaking that way, right? So we just want to stop. Stop speaking to yourself like that. Just go, hey, gosh, you know, hey, Tiff. Oh, wow, you just put yourself down again. Good one. No, we don't want to talk like that. No, we've got to stop that. Step three, create a new phrase that you can say, right? So if you, we, we need to train this. this. isn't going to happen instantly, right? But we need to train this. So we can say a new phrase. What you could do, and this is a very simple phrase that you could use all the time, is I'm working on improving everything that I do, right? So if you're going, oh, yeah, that's not good enough. And then you go, oh, hang on a minute. No, I'm not talking to myself that way. Then you could say, I'm working on improving everything that I do. Doesn't that sound so much better than, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you stuffed that one up. No, I'm working on improving everything that I do. And then you just repeat that over and over again. So every time it comes up, so that's step four, the repetition. Every time it comes up, you go through that process again. No, I'm not going to talk to myself that way. I'm working on improving every single thing that I do. I thought I'd change the focus a little bit today. And what I want to talk to you about and share with you today is is how to have really amazing relationships. And I'm not just talking with you about with your partner, but just with with anyone um, in your life, and really getting a really good understanding of, of how people operate and, and so on. And it's really making so that you can make better connections with people, build the relationships, and and have you know much more um, you know really appreciate the people that are in your life. They appreciate you, and really feel like you're really you know making a difference in their life, they're making a difference in yours and you're really having a really good connection and I really feel that that's what we should be doing. We should be working on building and and having amazing relationships in our life with people that, that we really care about and at the moment I'm going through this course and we're looking at all these different things that we're working through but what I found really interesting was what we're looking at was the five love languages. Now, even though these are called The Five Love Languages, there's a book written by Gary Chapman, um, and I went and actually did the quiz because I was really curious on what would come up in the quiz of what I thought on in the order that these love languages would come up as, which I'll share with you in a minute. But um, I thought it was really interesting because understanding what your love language is and so on, the other person, let's say your, your partner or your husband or your wife or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, friend or, or parents or, or whatever, it's understanding what their love language is, right? Their, their communication, their way in which to communicate to them best serves them, right? Because what happens is we're expecting people to, especially in relationships, we're expecting people to be like us, you know, be like how we are. And, and people are not, right? We all have our, we're all individuals. We all do our own thing. We all have different ways in which we communicate. Yet we have this expectation that we expect that our, our especially the person that's closest to us in our life, we expect that they are uh, behaving or performing in a particular way of what we expect because this is how we operate. But what we need to do is we need to understand how they operate, right? So it's all about communication, isn't it? So I look at that with, you know, also with my nieces, my two beautiful nieces uh, who I love dearly. I look at a way in which I can communicate to them better in a way that understands on, in their language, right? So even though I'm going to be talking about these five love languages and, and it, 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 like I said, it's, it's not just about the person that you're most closest to in your life, it's also everybody, How do you communicate? How do you understand them? And once you know what these languages are, then you go, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So these are my five love languages. So um, actually, sorry, I'll share them first with you, what they are, and then I'll tell you what mine are in in order. So we have, um, so his one is gifts. So, you know, people who... Um, enjoy receiving gifts. There's words of affirmation. So people who enjoy having um, positive words and telling them how great they are and so on. Um, acts of service, which means people who like to have things done for them. Uh, physical touch, like a hug or a kiss or holding hands or something like that. People people that like that. And quality time. So it's you know spending time with people and really appreciating um, having that that time with your, your your loved one, right? So those are the the five love languages. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out what my language, my five languages, five love languages are in in order. Um, and it was really interesting. Like I said, I went onto the website of the five love languages and and took the quiz because I was really curious in what I thought, what I, how I felt, and it came up in the quiz anyway. So I was like, yeah, well, I'm spot on. I I really understand how I operate. So these are mine in order, okay? And this is what I, um, how I operate. So once you know how I operate, then you can communicate with me better, right? And and the same in which you could do that with, with other people in your life. So um, my top one is quality time. So I really appreciate quality time um, with with my husband. That's the most important thing to me is to have quality time with him because I know that when we don't spend that quality time together, I'm craving it and, um, and it really affects our relationship because if we don't have that quality time, I get a little bit... Um, Angry and, and frustrated and so on because we're not spending time with each other, just hanging out, reconnecting, uh, going out, what, whatever it is, but it's spending that quality time with each other. So number two, physical touch. And what I mean by that really is holding hands, having a hug, you know, just getting a nice little kiss or something on the cheek or on the lips or whatever, but just, doesn't have to be anything too intense, but it's just, I love to get a hug from him in in the morning. So I always ask for him for a hug. Um, cause I love hugs. Right. And I always do that with, uh, with my nieces. I, I always give them a big hug because when I go to see them, I, I love them so much. But, um, what I actually haven't done is I haven't really gone through what their love languages are yet. Um, to understand them better, which I've got a rough idea, but what I'm doing at the moment is I'm using what I do, uh, at the moment, what my love languages are with, with them. So I know that both of them are a little bit different and that I need to change in, in the way in which I approach that, but that's, that's what's happening with me. So number three on my list is words of affirmation. So I just love it if my hubby says, well done. Oh, you look lovely today. Um, you know, really proud of you or something like that, right? So words of affirmation are always really good. That works very well for for me. Acts of service, which um, him doing something for me, it's not, that's number four on my list. So it's not a huge thing. I would, you know, quality time for me is number one, but acts of services for him to do something for me. It's like, yeah, it's great, but you know, there's other things that are more important. And number five on my list is gifts, so I'm not really big on him buying gifts. In the early days, he used to buy me a lot of cakes when we first started seeing each other because he knew that I like sweets and so on. Um, and he's bought me flowers and chocolates and, and lots of things. But he knows that's not high on my on my list. He understands me a lot better now. And it was really interesting because when I posed this to him and I said, okay, well, what do you think my five love languages are? He got it spot on. He understood exactly how I operated. So I don't really get so many gifts these days, but, but that's not important to me. And, and acts of service, him doing a lot of things for me. Well, he does things because that's the type of person that he is, but it's not high on my agenda, but it's, he understands that it's quality, quality time. So, uh, that was really good that he could understand that. So that that's where I rate my five love languages. And I'll just share my husband's with you because, um, his is a little bit different to mine, not in a big way, but just a little bit different. So his is, his number one, um, at the top of his list is acts of service. So he loves it that I'll make him dinner and, or buy him a little gift or buy him, you know, like a finger bun from the bakery or something like that, or a block of chocolate, or, you know, he, he likes it that I, that I do those types of things for him and he see or, you know, go and get the paper for him because he he likes to read the paper on a Saturday morning. So he likes me to do s- s- certain things like that. So because I'm aware of that, I do that, and that makes him feel like that I understand him and I love him. Then, um, and I would put that one equally with, with quality time at the top of the list for him. So he's acts of service and quality time is really important to him. Physical touches sort of halfway down, down the thing, but down the list, but it's more about, you know, he doesn't mind an odd hug and so on and to share in, um, you know, that he tells me that he loves me and, and all of that kind of thing. So, um, but again, that's not high on, on the list. It's more about the, the quality time and, and me doing something for him. Then the fourth one on the list is words of affirmation. So yeah, you know, I tell him that I love him, and you know that I love being with him, and I'm so proud of him, and and all of that kind of thing. But again, that's not high on his on his list. That's number four, and then number five is gifts. So even though I might buy him a little something and so on, it's more about the act of service that I do. That the act in which I go and uh, buy something for him because he sees that I really care for him or I'll go and do something for him or I'll you know might might wash wash his car one day or something like that you know whereas he appreciates that a lot more. so I thought it was really interesting to share that with you in how you can help improve your relationships with with people that you really care about in your life and also understand how they operate. so not only, Well, the first thing you need to do is obviously understand how you operate first, so where you rank those five love languages and then really understand where your partner, uh, where where they rank them. And I, I think you should have that conversation with your partner and really understand them because once you know how they operate, then we don't have this struggle of this communication battle, do we? You understand them a lot better and therefore you communicate with them better and therefore you have an amazing relationship. So so I'm going to share with you today a way in which you don't want to let the obstacles hold you back. Right? We don't want to be held back by obstacles. We don't want to be held back by other people. We don't want to be held back by anything. So what we need to make sure that what we're doing is we're actually focusing on the goal. Okay. So it's quite easy to to let hot obstacles hold us back and, and so on. But I'm going to show you a way in which we can deal with that. So the first thing that we need to do is we've got to set the goal, haven't we? We've got to set a goal because that's what we're going to be focusing on. So whatever it is that you're working towards, we need to set that goal. And that's all well and good. Okay, I'm going to lose 10 kilos or I'm going to go and compete in the nationals of whatever sport it is, or I'm going to, um, I'm going to, in my weekend comp this week, I'm going to shoot 36 stable foot points or whatever, right? So whatever the goal is, that's great. You've set one. Then what? What do you do? Right, you've set the goal. Yep. Great. And then that's it, right? But what happens is we need to have things set up in place, right? So what we need to do is we need to have these four things. And one is we need to have a a strategy in place, right? A plan. So we need the the strategies of of what we're going to do, all the action steps. Number two, we need a contingency plan. Now, what I mean by contingency plan is that's how we're going to deal with all the obstacles because guess what? You're going to encounter them right? So we need to make sure that we've got plans for how to deal with obstacles, because remember, we don't want the obstacles to hold us back. Then step three is we need to make sure that we're tracking what we're doing. And step four, we want to evaluate. So we want to evaluate where we're at, you know, um, so that we know that we're, we're on our track to achieving our goal. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to explain it and describe it in in weight loss, you know, because it's just so much easier and it's quite generic and then you can utilize that into um, anything that that you're working towards. So let's look at it, right? So here we got, um, we're going to set a weight loss goal. And we're going to set a a weight loss goal, but I'd prefer you, if you're going to set a weight loss goal, I'd prefer you to do it in measurements versus the actual weight, the scales. Because the scales don't always tell you what's going on because, you know, muscle's heavier than fat. And what if you're building muscle and you're not noticing a difference, but you can feel a difference, but you can't see it on the scales, it can be quite depressing. So it's it's something simple like measurements, you know, getting out the tape measure and measuring specific parts of your body. That's a really good way to indicate what's going on for you um, with regards to results. So I would recommend that over uh, weighing yourself in, in, at any time, okay? So let's look at weight loss. So we've set the goal of what we want to achieve for, the, for weight loss. Then one, we need a plan, right? So what are the things that we need in the plan? Well, we need to uh, work out how many calories we're going to eat throughout the day. What types of foods are we going to eat in order to ensure that we don't go over those calories that we've set for ourselves? What are we going to do between... Monday and Friday, what kind of food plan have we got in place? What type of food plan do we have in place for Saturday and Sunday? Because they're going to be different. If you um, are quite heavily into workers like me, I tend to have a, a plan that I operate between Monday and Saturday, and I follow that plan because I usually use that plan around my work schedule. So I pretty much work from Monday to Saturday, and then on Sundays, I have a different plan, so I have a free-for-all plan, I can do whatever I like, right? So so what we want to make sure is that you've got a specific plan in place for how you're going to lose weight. Then number two, we need a contingency plan. Now what I mean by that is what happens if you're going out? What happens if there's parties coming up? What happens if you fall off your 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 plan for the day, right? What do you do? So there's things in which you can, or you you know, if you're going to work and you didn't prepare your meals, what what are the things that you can do? I don't want you to be really thinking about that. Do you take your own food or do you eat whatever you can find there or do you eat particular foods, right? You're a bit more strict on particular foods that you're going to eat because there'll be temptations. And I always find that for my contingency plan when we're going out, I don't get too worked up about it. I make sure I make good choices with regards to the the main meal, but I love a dessert. So I'm not going to say, okay, well, I won't have a dessert because if you really look at it, it's only a day. Right, one day or one evening where you're having something, and uh, and that's okay. It's okay because it's okay to have a few higher calories one day and some lower calories the next because it's um your body's not adapting to to the same calories each day. So you, it's called calorie cycling. So that's uh, so that's good. So I don't want you to beat yourself up, but I just want you to be aware that you need a contingency plan in place. Of okay, well, what's going to happen if I'm in this situation? What am I going to do? Easy, right? So that's an obstacle that comes up, isn't it? Go out to a party, there's all this yummy food. Do you deprive yourself? Do you go all out and binge? Do you stay in control? You need to have a plan in place, okay? Contingency plan. Number three track. So you want to be tracking your calories, tracking your exercise, tracking how much body fat, you know, how much um, calories you're burning throughout the day right? Do you have a quota in place on how many calories you're going to eat each day? A quota on or, or, you know, uh, how many calories you are going to burn throughout the day or the week, right? You need to be tracking what's going on because when you're more aware, it's that usual saying, the more you focus on it expands. So if you're focusing on what's going on, guess what? You're going to be getting results, right? And then number four, you want to evaluate. So you want to look back at the week and go, okay, how did I go? Right? Did I stick to the plan? And here's a a very simple template of questions to ask yourself. So number one, did I stick to the plan? It's a simple yes or no. Number two, if so, how did I do it? How did I stick to the plan? If not, why didn't I stick to the plan? Right? So you need, so you're getting that understanding. It's creating awareness. Number three, what obstacles did I face and how did I overcome them? So what kind of obstacles came up? Did you get invited out? Did you um, end up having something that you might wouldn't have planned on having? How did, how did you deal with it? How did you overcome it? And then number four, what must I plan for this next week? Very simple little questions to ask yourself But it helps keep you focused, doesn't it? Right? Really, really simple. So if we looked at anything else that you're going to do, like um, if you apply it to any goal, maybe sport, maybe business, maybe life, other things, other areas, you can ask the same questions, can't you? Something really, really simple. So if you're looking at your sport, okay, I want to achieve a particular goal in your sport. Okay. All right. What do you do? You need a plan. right. So that's step one. Number two, you need a contingency plan. So you need a plan in place when you're going to encounter obstacles. What do you do when these situations come up? Number three, what are the things that you're going to track in your sport so that you know that you're on track to achieving your goal? Number four, how are you going to evaluate it? You can use these same simple questions. Did I stick to the plan? If so, how, if not, why not? What obstacles did I face and how to overcome them? And what must I plan for this next week? Very, very simple. And we want to keep it simple. We don't want to make it too complex. Because if we make it too complex, you look at it and go, I've got to do that. That's too hard. So the point here is I want you to make sure that we don't want to let the obstacles hold us back. We want to have a goal in place, but we need to be focusing on the goal. So we need a simple plan in place, simple questions in place. So we don't get distracted and we stay on the path to achieving what it is that we want to achieve. So those were pretty in-depth, those ones, weren't they? They they ended up taking me a lot longer to record than I anticipated. But you know what? I really wanted to share those messages and and information with you this week. So I hope you listen to all of it. So we looked at about who wins your sport or you and, you know... you know, your biggest competitor is always going to be you. And so we need to make sure that uh, we need to make sure that you have things in place of what you need to do and what you need to work on. So just to recap, the things that you need to work on is, you know, you need to make sure you're practicing, you're working on drills, you're practicing under pressure, you're practicing on that, the field or the course or the court or wherever it is, the swimming pool. You need to be practicing and training in that as well, in that environment. You need to be working on your mindset. You need to be working with a coach. You need to have that attention to detail so that you're working through your plans and you know exactly what you've got to do. You're working on the specifics, like the skills that really need that attention to detail. And we need to be working on positive self-talk, right? So we need to make sure that those elements are in place in order for you to, to really get out of the sport what you want. And we really want to understand is what is it that you want out of your sport, okay? So make sure that if you are struggling and you're feeling quite frustrated, I want you to make sure that you, you, you use these steps that were mentioned and then and put some plans in, in place for them. So um, that was that one. So what about the poor self-talk? How to, How are we going to really tackle that? Because I shared with you a few things that went on with people that I've taught over the years and, and myself when I was younger and competing in, in tennis and so on. So we looked at four steps, didn't we? Step one was awareness. So you being really aware of, of you talking to yourself poorly. Step two was stop speaking to yourself that way, right? So it was the, the, the acknowledgement. Okay, let's stop. Then we created in step three, a new phrase that you could say, I'm working on improving everything I do. And then step four was that repetition, isn't it? So every time it came up, you'd go through that process again, very simple four-step plan in order for you to stop speaking so poorly to yourself, right? So you're out there achieving your goals and really doing what you want to do. Then that third episode that we listened to wasn't it? Is about how to have amazing relationships. So I'd be interested to hear about what you found with your um, love language, what what your five love languages in order were. Because if you think about it, that's in the way in which you communicate to everyone, to people, and and you know, especially to family and so on will change a little bit obviously with with friends and and you know other work colleagues and so on but um you'll find that that's the way especially the top one is the way in which you want that communication to happen with you so like i said mine was quality time physical touch words of affirmation acts of service and and gifts and so on in that order so i'd be really interested to hear what your languages your five languages in which you use in to communicate and the best way in to communicate with you. So when you let me know that is then I'll know how to communicate with you too. So, um, yeah, so that was really interesting. So I hope you can use that. And then we also looked at focusing on, on your goal, wasn't it? It was about not letting those obstacles hold you back. And so what we looked at with those, uh, obstacles as we created a four step, plan really, wasn't it, in uh, how we can best set our goal and and what we need to do in order for us to then stay on track and not not let the obstacles hold us back. So those four phases that what we were working on was one, we needed to have a plan in place. Number two, we needed to have a contingency plan in place because this is where all the obstacles are going to come up. Three was what we were going to track and and be aware of what was actually going on, and, and step four was to evaluate. So we're looking at back at each week, and there was a series of questions that. You can ask yourself in in that evaluation. So those were there were four questions in that evaluation was one, did I stick to the plan? Number two, if I did, how did I do it? If not, why why didn't I stick to the plan? Number three was what obstacles did I face and how did I overcome them? And number four was what must I, I plan for this week. So you're really working on focusing on your goal, right? You're not letting those obstacles hold you back. So I hope you enjoyed these uh, this week's daily TIFF episodes. I'd love it if you could share with me what you like best about what you heard. Um, if you've got just 30 seconds to spare, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review wherever you hear these episodes. That would mean so much to me. So thank you. And if you've got friends that you know that would benefit from these episodes, I'd love it too if you could share with your friends because we want to build the Reach of Potential with TIFF community as big as we possibly can. And I want you to dream big, believe in you, go after your dreams, have an absolutely awesome day and take care. Talk soon. Bye-bye.